presents Hogan Johns. In the 30s, early 30s, there are three teams that dominated the league. New York Giants, Green Bay Packers, and the Bears. Hang on to your hat to fasten your seatbelt. You've got to clear on out. This one is liable to be something. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. The Bears have the ball first and ten to go in their own 35-yard line. And from The Athletic. It's Adam Johns. And the handoff to Gale Sayers. Picks his way. Finds a little hole. Here they are. The Adams. The play shot. The kick is in the air. Wait a minute. Hogan Johns. Hogan Johns. And the ball game is all over. Go Bears! We've increased competition at a critical position. And the way we view this is it's an open competition. Let's get this thing going. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns here with you, getting closer and closer to the NFL draft a little over a week away. And it's time for us to start getting into some more draft talk, Adam Johns. Yes, yes, finally. Did you know it snowed today a little bit here in Chicago, Adam? Yeah, I, I saw some yeah, of it. It yeah, yeah. Really doesn't really get in you in the mood. mood for the draft, but come on, Mother Nature. Hasn't this been bad enough already? I don't know. I remember getting like two snowstorms last year, so at least it's not that bad. Yeah. And then like it didn't actually get warm until June. We, we so. were just stuck inside our houses, though. I hear you. I hear you. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um. All right. Well, uh, we do have a special guest with us today. I don't know if we can even really call him a guest. He's just a special person. <laughs> His name is the Fishman, Kevin Fishbane. Hi, fellas. It's great to be back. It's great to have you. It's been a while since we've talked to you. Mostly our fault, but uh, maybe 0.1 your fault. I don't really even know what that point one would be, but we'll give you at least a little bit of a blame. How are you? I'm, I'm doing as, as well as someone could be during a pandemic. I'm, I'm grinding on tape on offensive tackles. I'm <laughs> trying to find some new TV shows to watch, and I even played a little FIFA the other day. FIFA? Which system? Uh, Nintendo Dude, Switch. Okay. Nintendo Switch. See, I got out my old uh, 360, Xbox 360, and uh, was playing the the Tiger Woods golf game with James because he thought that was cool, and then that eventually led me to bring out FIFA, which is the greatest game ever, besides Rock Band. Yeah, I I would I don't even know where my Xbox 360 is. I think it's lost. But I would if I had it, I would play FIFA or NCAA football 2000 probably 2006. 2006? Yeah. Is there a particular reason why that one's better than whatever the latest one was? Uh I think that's the one I got my freshman year of college and I just played it all the time. So it's just it's a nostalgia thing. Okay. And Northwestern wasn't even very good on it, so I couldn't use that as an excuse. (laughs) Uh, Yes, Johns. Do you know that Kevin Fishbane is the most pandemic-friendly sports writer that we know? He uses hand sanitizer. Kevin, how many times did you use hand sanitizer at at the Combine? This is pre-pandemic. Yes. Well, I should note, this was pre-pandemic like in America, but I was pretty well aware of what was going on. And so I, I use that Purell. But you've been rocking, you've been rocking this Purell since, uh, since I've known you, You, you've always had it always coming out of the backpack. You know, you're, you're you're the wise man of the, the beat writing crew. I would say. 
Yeah, I am no stranger Foresight. to I'm no stranger to overwashing and over sanitizing my hands. So in that regard, I was ready for this world. So welcome to my life, everybody else. I, I we did have this conversation uh, a couple weeks ago, Kevin, though, about how fortunate we are that this thing did not touch the combine. Because that many people in one convention center and all those hotels connected and the amount of handshaking and the amount of packed bars you stand in, uh, like we were, we brought up that night at Prime, uh, when I think that there was a thousand people within like a, a, a 10 square foot radius, um, that could have been bad. It could have been bad. And I do remember, I don't I obviously I wasn't to your level, but I do remember that by the time I was in Indianapolis, I was washing my hands more than normal. Yeah, I will also and I'm with you, Hogan, and I I kind of wonder if the NFL would have treated free agency and the draft a little differently if, you know, if because it would have been like, you know, there was a like a bioconference in Boston. That ended up being a big kind of epicenter for us. And it was just a week after the combine. I will say the Thursday of the combine, my wife called me and she said, when you get home, I want to go to Costco and I want to stock up because I just have a bad feeling that that we're going to need to have a lot of stuff like we're like that we might have to be home for a little bit. But you've got and you've I, probably gone through all that stuff by now, have you not? Uh, yeah. Well, we actually well, it's, we were not the only ones with that idea. We actually did go to the Costco that Saturday, and it was packed, and we walked, we left. <laughs> um, okay, but, I have know, a, we, I have a Costco update for you. Yes. Okay, because I went to Costco yesterday for the first time in you know before all this stuff happened. Um, Costco is just fine, people. It's plenty stocked. <laughs> They literally have toilet paper now lined up in like the freezer section aisles because they have too much of it. All right. So Costco is fine. The only thing, and this brings this intro segment full circle, the only thing they didn't have because they actually checked are Xboxes. They were out of Xboxes. They had PS4s though, in case you want that. I don't play video games anymore, guys. I'm an adult. (laughs) Okay, well, that was <laughs> just—I just want that noted out there. I can't—I I, to be honest with you, I used to love them. Uh, Madden wasn't my game; it was everybody's game, still a lot of people's games. But I have not played a game of Madden. I want to say since my junior year of high school. I've not played Call of Duty since the college, so it's—it's it's been a while. We played a lot of Mario Kart in college. I would love to play some of that right now, actually, but it's been a while. Yeah, Mario Kart's the best. I could play that right. Yeah, now. I, I would be fine if I had a Nintendo 64 with only Mario Kart, GoldenEye, and NFL Quarterback Club 1998. It's all you need. Yeah. The kids would love Mario Kart. Okay, I'm, you know what? Might have to make that happen somehow. All right. Um, let's let's hashtag stick to football here, boys. Did you watch last? By the way, this is uh, Adam Hogue, Adam Johns. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H O G E, at Adam Johns, J A H N S. Kevin Fishbane's with us. He's at The Athletic with Johnsy at K Fishbane on Twitter. You should be following them. You can read their stuff on The Athletic, The Athletic app. Free trials right now. Go get it. If you don't have a subscription, you absolutely should. And you can listen to this podcast in The Athletic app. It's a great place to listen to the pod. Everything's split up by segments. You can breeze through it. It's great work by our producer, Kent Garrison. 
And my stuff is up at NBCSportsChicago.com, so you can read all that there. All right, so last night the Bears live-streamed the game against the Cardinals from 2006, that crazy Monday night football game. Did either of you guys watch this? No, not one second. That may sound shocking to many who are listening right now, but Adam, you and I have talked about this. I have a problem with with re-watching sporting events in which I already know the outcome. I already know what happened in that game. That's the Brian Urlacher game. I know what Charles Tillman does. I know what Devin Hester does. I know what Mike Brown does. An exciting football game that will live on in Bears history forever. But I just got a problem rewatching stuff where, where I already know the outcome to. Kevin. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not fully with Johns, but I will say... So I wa- all I watched was the, the Hester return. And when, when I've been watching some of these old games... What I've been doing is I've been strategically turning it on when I know, you know, like a like an apex is happening, like a, a you know a bit like so the the Mark Burley perfect game from a few weeks ago. I turned it on in the I waited till the eighth inning to turn it on. I just wasn't going to sit through the whole thing. So in some of these old games that have been on, you know, some of these NCAA tournament games, you know, maybe wait till like mid second half, and, and that's when I will. So I, I will watch it, but I just I can't. I can't sit through the whole thing. I did think it was interesting, Hogue, that the Bears kind of just live tweeted the game. <laughs> I would have been. I wanted. I wanted Larry Mayer live tweeting uh, what he was thinking in the press box at every moment of that game. That's what I was hoping for. That would have been some good live he was, tweeting. He, he was probably thinking, "I'm going to get up and get another hot dog here." <laughs> well, he did tweet. Oh, no. <laughs> he did tweet that he uh, yeah the hot dog laden press box. He did tweet that he he. Called himself out on cheering in the press box during that game. That sounds about right. So he called himself out for that. All right. So a couple responses to what you guys just said. Uh, I am, and we kind of discussed this before, but I'm usually a guy who's with you, John. They don't really care for watching you know old games that are just on TV. Uh, R.I.P. ESPN Classic. But I have been enjoying these games. That have been on. Maybe it's just because there's not other games on. I don't really know. I'm sure that's part of it. But here's the thing. When you watch these games and actually... Like these White Sox games that have been on NBC Sports Chicago every single day. We don't remember the details of the regular season games. I I mean, I know that they're going to win because they're only showing the winning games. But I don't know how the games are getting played out. I don't know what's going to happen. So it is almost like watching the games for the first time again. Uh, once they get to the playoffs, that'll be different because they remember every detail from the playoffs. But it's been fun in that regard. So obviously, this Bears-Cardinals game falls more into the territory, like you said, Johns. You remember the big plays. But I forgot some of the details, and I was thoroughly entertained by some of these things. Now, one thing I forgot that was not entertaining, I forgot that was the game that Mike Brown hurt his foot in. Yeah, yeah, a loss. So I- you like obviously I remember Mike Brown hurt his foot that season, but I didn't realize it was in that game because I always think of him picking up that loose fumble and scoring. So I'm like, oh, he played in that game. But right after that is when he hurt his foot. An important footnote in that season. I think people almost forget that he Pun was intended. not even. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I, I just, you know, everybody knows. Uh, you guys know. I just finished a, a Bears book. You, you could catch it out in, in a few months here, and just going back over that season. 
Like I even forgot that he didn't play in the Super Bowl. I, I, like you almost forget that he was part of that team, which is sad to say because he was so dynamic, such a, a playmaker. But you're right. Um, my, I guess my counterpoint to what you're saying is that yes, we do forget certain things like this. But I want more storytelling then. Like I, I did like seeing Brian Urlacher, uh, Lance Briggs. How about that white beard, guys? Very Lovey Smith-like on uh, Twitter, social media there. Um, I, I like hearing from Charles Tillman and having them comment on what that game was like. like see, that's what I want. I want like it documentary-like if we're going to review these games. I know you can't do that for everything. I know it's you got a lot of airtime to fill nowadays, especially without live sports, but I, I like that extra information, uh, those footnotes per se, that will give me, the fan, the reader, the the sports writer a little bit more. Well, here's what I also enjoyed from this game um, was the broadcast booth. Okay. Tony Kornheiser and Joe Theismann and uh, enjoyed maybe isn't the right word, but <laughs> it was a reminder of why the Kornheiser thing didn't work. And I like Tony Kornheiser. Love him on PTI. But he spent the entire game talking about how the Cardinals were going to pull off the biggest upset of the season. And he was so matter-of-fact that at one point, Charles Barkley, they had Charles Barkley on for a long portion of the second quarter. And Barkley's a Cardinals fan. And he kept bringing it up like, and he turned out to sound smart in this conversation. Uh, he kept bringing up how the Cardinals weren't scoring enough points off of all these Bears turnovers. The Bears had six turnovers in that game and didn't score an offensive point somehow won. That's still ridiculous. But they weren't. Uh, the Cardinals weren't converting those turnovers into touchdowns. And he kept, and he kept saying, Barkley, that is, kept saying, this is going to come back to bite him. This is going to come back to bite him. And Kornheiser was just like, it's 17-0. The Bears aren't coming back. Of course, they came back. Well, that was not really like, you know, they actually, if you go back to that Bears game in 2018 in Arizona, when, uh, was it Sam Bradford led the Cardinals to a 14-0 lead? And I remember thinking, like, this yeah. Bears offense, like, I, I don't know if it's any good. I don't know if it's good enough to come back. But then the defense just did the whole thing. So, like, you can understand, like, ah, yeah. well, you know, how much could the defense and special teams really do? But that was a special team with Hall of Famers. And that's what they did. Well, I enjoyed it. I I mean, I guess I'm maybe in the minority of being able to watch any of these games that are on TV. But uh, that was fun last night. Holy crap, was Rex Grossman bad, though? I mean, I that was another thing. I knew he was bad in that game, but I didn't know he was that bad. They turned the ball over six times. Yeah, you talk to some of the guys that, that played in that game. Uh, they joke around. The offensive players joke around. I should specify that. It's, it felt like the, the Cardinals had their playbook, and obviously the Bears turned the tide there. But, man... Sexy Rexy, well, not so sexy in, in that game. Gosh, just uh, every time I, I hear Rex Grossman's name, I, I think of the 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 long list of misses on quarterbacks, and we might have to add another first rounder there soon enough. But yeah, woof, what a bad game for Rex that was. I uh, I said out loud at one point, I just said Rex Grossman, and my five year old obviously doesn't know who Rex Grossman is, and he laughed and he goes. Haha, <laughs> you said gross. And I was like, yeah, that actually 
I didn't think about it that way, but that actually that is a very you know um, I would say very good way, James, of describing how Rex Grossman played that game. Yeah. James and knows many throughout his career. <laughs> yeah, I will say about that, Johns and Hogue. Um, so my mother's family name is Grossman, and I remember my uncle like would cut out headlines about Rex Grossman and put him up on like a bulletin board because he thought it was so cool that there was a guy named Grossman who was the Bears quarterback. And technically, a Grossman did lead the Bears to a Super Bowl appearance. But it was, uh, well, yeah, I, I did not get that name, so it was okay for me. But I think for some of my cousins, during some of the rough Rex uh, games and years, it was a little it was a little tough in the hallways at the schools. Well, and the Bears' offense that year was good. They, I believe, well, according to the broadcast, they kept bringing it up that they had the number one offense coming into that game. They had the number one defense and the number one offense. I mean, I don't think they, they, they ha- finished that way though. No, I don't think they did either. And obviously, you think about the Super Bowl that you know that was the problem. But it, it, compared to other years, that offense was fine. C- well, they had one two punches, Cedric Benson and Thomas Jones. It's not too bad. They, they had. What Matt Nagy's Bears have not had. They, they've had an identity. They knew what they were. They got off the bus running, right? But that's, Gro- that's what yes. they did. But Grossman had an ability to actually get... They were completing shots downfield. They were getting big plays. Um, Play action. That Yes, you're right. It was starting with the running game. That game, though, nothing was working, and Grossman was terrible. Somehow... The Bears won. I had to laugh, though, because the Bears then tweeted a video of like the club dub, uh, Lovey Smith style, which is a lot different. Um, but he said something like, that's championship football. And someone in the background, I don't know who it is. It sounded like one of the players was like, it is? Because <laughs> they turned the ball over six times and didn't score an offensive point. I mean, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's not championship football. I think that's about as as ugly of winning a game as you could possibly have. It was fun, they, they, but it was ugly. Yes, yeah, they, they had championship caliber players on that team, but no, no, no that, that is not a reliable way to win football <laughs> games. There, it's just not. It's exciting. It's it's, but it's so hard to replicate week, week after week after week. That's why that game is so special. Yes, I didn't watch it, but I know it's special, uh, especially for for the modern Bears of the two thousands. That that is like one of the most important games, I, I feel like, especially from the Lovey Smith era. But no, that that is not a way to be a continuous winner in the NFL. All right. Uh, well, let's get some draft talk in here, okay? The Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky. Oh, wow! Yeah. Um, here's what I want to do. Let's talk about, let's kind of rank our individual uh, opinions on draft needs here for the Chicago Bears going into this draft next week and we can just kind of go around and I'm sure we're all going to have pretty similar uh, positions here but I I am interested to hear what you guys think is uh, number one and Kevin let's start with you oh man I was I was going to wait for John's and then just go contrarian no don't care (laughs) Um, I will say it's hard because like you have the overall franchise needs versus what is a 2020 need right yeah so all right i'll go cornerback one uh safety offensive line wide receiver okay i like the cor- i like fast. the cornerback pick I, I i agree with you on cornerback being the number one pick um 
because I, I think, like you said, it's uh, a win now need and a win later need because you you, you just can't trust Trey Roberson, Kevin Tolliver, and Artie Burns to, to be that guy opposite Kyle Fuller. Doesn't Kyle Fuller have like a $20 million cap hit next year? Yep. Yeah, his, like, and, then his, his, and then his contract. Yeah. Can I make a correction to my own uh, draft needs? Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I, I guess so. No. Cornerback, offensive line, safety, wide receiver. Cornerback, offense. Okay, see, now you're coming more towards me here because I don't disagree with anything you guys said about cornerback. Obviously a need. But to me, it's offensive line, number one, because you can cover up some of the deficiencies in the secondary with the pass rush, with everybody healthy, adding Robert Quinn. I think that's the better strategy right now. And it's going to work. If you look at this offense right now, other than adding Nick Foles, which will help, but I don't know if that turns you into a Super Bowl caliber offense. What have the Bears do to improve this unit, especially the running game, which we didn't spend. We spent every single episode of this podcast last year talking about the running game. They haven't done anything right now. They need to address the offensive line. And like you said, John's not just for right now in 2020, but for the future too, because it's not just about finding a right guard. You're going to start to eventually these tackle positions are going to have to be addressed. Moving on from Bobby Massey right now, I know that's not going to happen in 2020, but in the future, that's got to be looked at too. It's it's to me, the offensive line is by far number one right now. I just think it's important not to overdraft the guy because it's such an alarming need. Yes, they need a starting right guard. I don't know if Jermaine Effetti is going to be that guy. I have serious doubts about that possibility. But right now, he's penciled in and being your guy. I don't like that whatsoever. But you can't overdraft an offensive lineman just because you need one. Like, like I, I get it, but stick with your board. Trust your board. Move back if you have to. Obviously, it needs to be addressed at some point. It, it has to be. But if you got top-notch potential week one starters at cornerback and safety, possibly even a tight end there, some contributor tight end, contributor receiver, pick them. Pick the safe, productive week one pick instead of a big swing and a possible big miss at guard right now. One of my issues with offensive line is, like, you might have, like, you have your four starters right now. And then you have guys who can play right guard and are serviceable. I've been calling for this team to draft a developmental offensive tackle for years. It is crazy to me that the Bears have only drafted one offensive tackle under Ryan Pace, and that was Teo Fabaluge, because you just have nobody in the pipeline. But one of the things, and kind of going along with what John said, we're not going to have OTAs, we're not going to have minicamp. I worry about a guy you take in round two on the offensive line being able to step in day one for you, even if it you know even as a backup and and be productive for you as opposed to some of these other positions. That's why I kind of I'm I'm been really convincing myself of this wide receiver class and the opportunity to take a really good receiver in the second round, um, and and that's somebody that should maybe be an easier transition and obviously that put corner one because this too somebody that can step in because i mean offensive line especially in today's nfl is one of the hardest transitions now from college to pro 
And while I think offensive line is a huge need, I ranked it number two in my adjusted rankings. I don't know about the idea of taking someone that early when you're not going to have a normal offseason. But every yes. year, I, I, I'm sorry, John. Every year, I feel like there's at least one plug-in play interior offensive lineman in the second round, and I think Cody Whitehair fits. You know, is an example of that. I, I agree that it's it's getting tougher and tougher um, to. I don't know. A lot of these, so much, so many of these NFL concepts are getting so similar to what these offensive linemen are running in college that I, I don't know. I just feel like there's always a guy you can get in the second round who gets look look. Teams look past them for some reason, and they actually come in and they play pretty well right away. I I get that, but still trust your board. Like I've come around to the idea of almost fixing the secondary in the second round and making sure you address the interior of the offensive line later on in the draft. You're going to be looking at very good cornerbacks there. You're going to be looking at some of the best safeties there in the second round. And I don't think the Bears are going to stick with the 43rd and 50th overall picks. I really believe they're going to trade back and try to recoup some value after trading their comp pick for Nick Foles. They cannot have that wide of a gap between 50 and 163. That needs to be addressed. But you can't overdraft a guy. And I know what you're saying. Maybe that's Lloyd Cushenberry. Maybe that's Robert Hunt. There are some intriguing guys there in the second round. But the idea of getting two possible plug-and-play week one starters in your secondary, especially when you got Kyle Fuller's contract coming around and getting too expensive for you, is really intriguing to me right now. All right. To that point, Johnsy, um, and I think it's a good transition to what you wrote today on The Athletic, but... Um, don't know if you saw this tweet from me yesterday. Kevin, I'm sure you saw it. Uh, John's, you probably didn't. Um, that's just a prediction. You guys can let me know <laughs> if it's true or not. But I, I, can't, uh, I, I can't wait. After, after your... That's basically what you just said, except with a little bit more specifics. Okay, so the Bears' third pick isn't until 163 in the fifth round. That's their third pick in the entire draft. Okay, they have their two second-round picks. Their third pick doesn't come until 163. Now, obviously, this can change with trades, but as of now, here are the number of picks other NFC North teams, the Bears' rivals that they play twice a year, have before the Bears make their third pick. The Vikings have seven draft picks before the Bears make their third pick. The Lions have six draft picks before the Bears make their third pick. And the Packers have four draft picks before the Bears make their third pick. I think that is incredibly important because you you talk about building through the draft. These are the teams the Bears face twice a year, and they're getting more cracks at the draft here before the Bears even make their third pick. So... To your point, John's this idea of trading up, and if you want to get into your story here, you can. Um, but the biggest question I have about your story is where did you get this photo of Ryan Pace? Because I've never seen it before. Uh, the hair looks as good as as usual, but man, he's uh, I don't know if it's the sunglasses or what's going on, but he he looks older. <laughs> well, if you look at his like go back to 2015 <laughs> and look at his hairstyles into now, you you could tell that it, it's like a U.S. president. You know, like when you compare him in his first year in office to his last year in office, and just how much they've aged because of the stress. I think yeah. Ryan Pace is experiencing a very similar transformation, especially having to put up with John Fox for uh, the first three years of his <laughs> his reign. So, yes, I, I am intrigued. Check out this story on the the Athletic. I am very intrigued by the possibility 
of trading back. Uh, the headline is should the Bears should the Bears trade back in the draft? Let's project some potential deals. So let me just list these uh, for you guys in, in a sense. So I, I use the 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 Rich Hill model. He's from Pat's pulp, but it takes into account the values for comp picks. The, which the former what, pitcher? Yes, the the lefty. He's not former. He's still in the league. Oh yeah, um, I forgot. He's oh that guy. Yeah, you're come right. on, Hogue. You're a baseball reporter. Get with it, man. Jesus. Um, yes, that no. guy, but not. Yes, that guy, but not that guy. Um, so here's here's a few trades I, I, I put together. Um, the Ravens get number fifty from the Bears in exchange for number fifty five and number one hundred six. The Eagles get number forty three from the Bears in exchange for numbers fifty three, one hundred three, and one ninety. The third mocked trade I put together based on uh, Rich Hill's model is the Seahawks get number 50 and the Bears get number 59, 133, and a 2021 fourth rounder. Thoughts? Analysis? Uh, 133 puts you in the fourth round? Yes. Right? So you're picking up a... I was a math major. I wasn't actually, but yeah, trying to do quick math here. Um, so you're picking up a fourth rounder by moving back nine spots. That's essentially that last trade you mentioned. Yes, all I mean, the values make helps. sense. It, all the values make sense, and they're actually very similar to some of the moves that Pace has made in the past. Whether it's you know the move back for Cody Whitehair, or it's the move back for Adam Shaheen, or it's the move back. You know, that resulted in uh, a few other picks. You know, the Reggie, remember the Bears had 41 uh, in 2016, and Reggie Ragland was taken by the Bills. So there's history involved in this research. So, so check out the story. But yes, the Bears need more value. They need more picks. They have too many holes. They have an aging roster. They spend a lot of money on this roster. And we, we know, guys, the best way to reload, you got to do it from within. You need a bigger draft class. Quantity this year is important. And I think one thing that we keep forgetting about with this, and and I love John's story to break it all down, is think about how bored we're going to be if they don't pick between 50 and 163. Yes, we matter more than anybody else. Yeah, I mean, that's the big priority here. I'm just going to, like, what am I going to do? Watch film. Cut it up like you said you were doing. Shoot, chop it up. Hey, Hogue, you uh, you want a stat? Yes. I gave Wait, John's by the way, st- did, did you yeah. see my tweet and, and John's you didn't, I'm assuming? Uh, yes. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe. No okay, comment. Just, uh, okay. All right. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> All right. So this is, this is going to be in a column I'll have tomorrow at The Athletic. Did you know that since 2015, the Bears have drafted 18 players at running back, safety, interior offensive line, and wide receiver. In that same time span, they have drafted six players at quarterback, offensive tackle, cornerback, and edge rusher. Hmm. So the four positions that everyone says, these are the most important positions. You got to get drafted one every year. You can never have enough. In five drafts, the Bears have drafted six players total at those four premium positions. The core positions. 
Yeah, I think everybody holds Pace accountable for his words about drafting a quarterback every year because he simply has not done it. Obviously, he's been in different positions. Obviously, he was left with a pretty awful roster, but I think they are experiencing the the lack thereof right now, I, I, I would say, especially with Trubisky not paying off. Now, I am, uh, I'm sort of thinking, though, Part of that is you go back and look at Phil Emery's drafts. The few players he did get right, Kyle Fuller being a corner, Charles Leno, Leno. Charles Leno and Kyle Long. Uh, Long was, I guess, interior. You mentioned offensive tackle, uh, but Leno was an offensive tackle. Uh yeah, I mean, obviously they traded for Khalil Mack, but that was well into Ryan Pace's tenure. You would have thought there would be, you know, more edge rushers in there. Yeah, I don't. That's a very, it's a very interesting, very interesting stat. Yeah, and, and there are reasons they haven't necessarily needed to. You know, Massey and Leno up until last year have been fine. You had veterans at corner. You kept signing guys to play opposite Fuller that have been fine. You know, and then I understood why they did not draft a quarterback. You know to join Trubisky I think there's just such an organizational focus on Mitch and you don't want a rookie to take away any attention from the coaching staff you know they didn't have time to develop a, a, a rookie they had to work with Trubisky but you, you you fast forward to now and you can make an argument for all four of those positions as being positions that they got to target at some point because you need that you need guys in the pipeline because if you you know the defensive line is kind of the the model right the way the Bears have drafted signed and developed and coached players in defensive line is like the dream in the NFL. But that is really the only position, maybe a little bit running back to an extent, you can argue inside linebacker. Um, but really, like th- that defensive line is the pinnacle of what they want for every position. And they just haven't been able to do that at other spots consistently. Now, Adam, to go back to your point about the, the, the NFC North, and this may be a nice segue to your to your column that you just wrote about the Lions is I think some people are, at least in Chicago, are, are overlooking what's afoot in some of these cities. The Let's let's just call it what it is. The Vikings are rebuilding. Yeah. There's a lot of starters, starters that Bears fans should be very familiar with, Pro Bowl caliber players that are no longer on their roster right now. First-round picks, guys that have been productive. Um, what's the list here? Everson Griffin, white, gone. Linval Joseph, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, yep. Stephon Diggs. It, it, this is significant. And they just but, gave my guy, Kirk Cousins, more money. Yeah, the, the, the Cousins thing is actually the only thing. I, I'm not a huge fan of, of what they're, what they've done. But otherwise, I, I, I give Rick Spielman a lot of credit. Um, look, there, there's certain windows in the league. And sometimes I feel like teams panic a little too much and like, ah, we got to replace everybody, blow it up and have, bring somebody else. In. Like Rick Spielman's done a nice job. Mike Zimmer's a good coach. They pay Kirk Cousins a ton of money. This last round, we've been talking on this podcast for it feels like three years now about the defensive window closing for the Minnesota Vikings. All right. They made one last run, run at it this year. Uh, they weren't a phenomenal team, but they win a playoff game. Great. Those guys are doing a good job. And what I like what they're what they're doing right now is they identified exactly what we've been talking about. The window was closing. They let all those guys go. They have a ton of draft picks. It goes back to that stat I just gave you. They have seven picks before the Bears 
make their third pick in the middle of the fifth round. So they have an entire seven, usually you talk about seven rounds and having seven picks. They have seven picks, an entire draft before the middle of the fifth round. So they have a lot of opportunities here to rebuild quickly. Uh, you know, we could have some disagreements about Cousins and giving him more money, but you know what? They're, they're looking at this like, hey, we're it's we're doing a quick rebuild here. And I th- actually think for the Vikings, this could be a quick rebuild. I think they're having a down year coming up this season. But when you look at these draft picks they have, it could pay off here a lot quicker than maybe the Bears who have sort of just kept kicking the can down the road here and spending more and more draft capital. Now they have a year like this where they have two second rounders until the middle of the fifth round. Well, you're you're allowed to operate that way. Like give up a lot of I mean those are a lot of starters. Let's call it what it is. Those are a lot of starters that are no longer on their team, but you're allowed to do this. When you have a quarterback that you believe in. Now we could debate, we could do multiple podcasts on Kirk Cousins, right? Like we can't. And it's the same applies to Matthew Stafford in a sense, right? Like he's supposed to be that Guy that that like overcomes all the moves you have to make, like the Drew Breeses and the Tom Brady's of the world, guys that have gone through all sorts of different personnel changes, but you win because of that guy. I don't know if Kirk Cousins is that guy. I I never the the stats are what they are with with Matthew Stafford. I don't know if he's ever really been that guy. He's a good quarterback. He can rally you in the fourth quarter, but he the wins and the playoff appearances simply are not there. And here you are. Saying they should trade the guy, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of, in general, I think the NFC North might be more open than some Bears fans think it really is. Yeah. So here's what I just wrote, and what I'm doing this week is kind of a series uh, offering draft advice to all four teams in the NFC North. I started with the Lions today. I think I'm going to do the Vikings tomorrow, but. The Lions, uh, since they're first up at number th- with the number three overall pick, and this gets to your point about Stafford. Uh, look, I-, I think one of the, the most overlooked storylines of 2019 in the entire NFL is that Matthew Stafford was playing like an MVP before he got hurt. He was putting up huge numbers, and um, I mean, w- was now he wouldn't have won MVP because he was on the Lions and. Obviously, uh, you know, you had Lamar Jackson season and Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. But he played eight games, so he played half the season and he completed 41 passes of 20-plus yards, which is more than Mitch Trubisky had the entire season, 35. Okay, and there's a bunch of other numbers in here you can look at. Uh, 19 touchdowns, only five interceptions. That Lions offense was actually humming when Matthew Stafford went out um, and he kind of crazily finished that Raiders game with a broken back. Never played again the rest of the season. The Lions didn't win another game. Uh, Here's the thing, though. They were still 3-4-1 despite Matthew Stafford playing at an MVP level. Okay, He is not going to be able to ever win in Detroit. It's just not going to happen. And if I am the Detroit Lions, Matthew Stafford may have success elsewhere. But it's not going to be in Detroit. You draft Tuo Tungo Vailoa at number three overall, and you trade Matthew Stafford. Kevin, your thoughts, and then I'll come back and finish the argument. Are you saying Tua? Really? Are you saying Tua over Herbert? Obviously. Yes. Is there a reason why? 
Oh uh, yes, Justin Herbert's not good at football. I'm just okay, kidding. Just uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't hate. I don't hate Herbert that much. He had a great Rose Bowl against my Badgers. Um, I look Tua's at a different level. I understand the hip concern, and if you want to throw that at me, fine. Uh, but I, I think some people with this hip have forgotten how good Tua Tungovailoa was, and sh- has been projected to be in the NFL for a long time. He is what the Lions ultimately need is a play up transcending type quarterback. And I don't necessarily know that tongue that two was going to be that, but I know that Stafford's not okay. And Tua may end up being that type of quarterback that shines the national spotlight on the Detroit lions finally, and can take them can elevate that, you know, a bad franchise to the next level, which Stafford, not really his fault, just has never been able to do. That's why I like the idea of drafting Tua. You trade Stafford. We can get into the details with his contract, but the bottom line is they would take a huge... It's similar to the Jaguars issue. You take a big cap hit on trading Foles now, you get the freedom in future years. So now all of a sudden, if you're you're the Lions, you have Tua on a rookie contract, okay? You could maybe get a first-round pick in return for Stafford because that contract, if you look at it, would become very, very team-friendly and affordable for a quarterback as good as Matthew Stafford is. You, get a, you could potentially get a first-round pick back, plus you have all the cap space in the next two years then to add to other areas of your roster. I think... For the Lions, if they ever want to get out of football hell, which is what they're in right now, and they're not going to be picking in the top three next year because they have enough talent to be to be middle of the pack, which is what they would have been had Stafford not gotten hurt. They were a 500 team. They're, they need to take advantage of this situation now with the number three pick. Trade Stafford, and by the way, you trade him where? To New England. The Patriots could use Matthew Stafford. You know what I like about this, Hogue, is... Matt Patricia, defensive head coach, entering his third year. You saddle him with a rookie quarterback that you take (laughs) in the top three. And then you're probably not going to have a great season. And then what, you know, does it sound familiar to anything a a team did a couple years ago? Sexy. Yeah, I I, I kind of I'm into it. I, I like the idea. I don't. I just don't know if Matt Patricia. It's not going to be his call. But I'm not. I can't imagine he'd be very excited about that idea. Yeah, his seat's already warm, is it not? Well, those guys are already kind of giving a Bob Quinn too. They kind of already given an ultimatum. But you know, it's sometimes drafting a young guy like that can buy you some time. I don't know if it buys that coach time, but maybe the GM. Toward divides occur my friend in the draft room especially when you're not in the same room together this year I, yeah, I how think, cool would it be uh, if, yeah i think you know, you know well done it'd be well said i can see it now you know the 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 video feed goes down between patricia and quinn <laughs> quinn goes rogue <laughs> right the lights go out at the patricia household yeah. powers out funny how that happens and here you are Tua. See you, Stafford. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, I love this trade. I love it just as much as I love the Nick Foles thing, which I honestly, though, I, you can read this at NBCSportsChicago.com. It's on my Twitter feed right now. I think it makes a lot of sense for both teams involved, the Lions, and I really do think Stafford would be a great pickup for, um, with, for the Patriots right now. Uh, that's the type of situation Matthew Stafford could win a Super Bowl. He's not going to win it in Detroit. It's just not going to happen. It's time to move on. Um, and I, so I, I don't know, obviously I like it. I wrote it, but you can read it, uh, 
on NBCSportsChicago.com. It's up on my Twitter feed at Adam Hogue. All right. Uh, Kevin's got to get out of here pretty quickly. We should, too. Before we uh, go, though, Kevin, we've been talking about what every episode we're talking about what we are watching during this pandemic since you're on. And uh, I have a feeling that you've been watching some television. I'd love to hear what you've you've been paying attention to. Yeah, so my wife and I, our weekly uh, trash TV um, schedule has not been changed, really. Trash um, TV. So that includes the new Bachelor show that started this Monday, which is called The Bachelor Listen to Your Heart, which just debuted. And it was... What the hell does that mean? Wild. Just a bunch of um, singing bachelors together in the Bachelor house. I don't know. Um, the Voice. Um, we've got uh, Top Chef. Uh, so th- those shows are still going as scheduled. We did start, we did watch Tiger King and we did start Shit's Creek this weekend. So we're going to see language, so- language, language. <laughs> so nothing, uh, nothing too, um, you know, highly intellectual in, in our, in our TV consumption days. Hmm. See, I tried Tiger King fellas. Yeah. I tried it last night actually. And I just couldn't do it. Just couldn't do it. Yeah, it, I'm not even. I'm not even trying because I know I'm not fascinating. Gonna be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. But mo- like holy moly, like these people are real. It, it just no. I'm gonna turn it off. Uh, I'll read the reviews on Twitter. It's fascinating. I get it, but not. Yeah, yeah, not my cup of tea. I, I I don't like shows that make me angry. And and I just know that that's going to be one of them. And like other things, like The Bachelor. Um, I actually watched. I think it was like maybe thirty minutes of the finale, the, whatever the last one is, Kevin. Only because my wife had it on, and I hadn't seen any of the rest of the season. And I just was like this, or it was like the episode where they all come back and talk about things, whatever that is. And I'm like, N- this is so stupid. And it was making me angry, and I had to leave the room. I don't like shows like that. Like when, like r- they get to the point of ridiculous where I they just no. I can't do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I will say that I have just appreciated these shows allowed me to really turn my mind off. So, and it's like total distraction from what's going on. Um, I've I've heard people who are watching like the show Pandemic or going and seeing watching the movie Contagion. I I can't do things like that. So I, I am I am acknowledging that the TV that I'm watching is not great. I do watch Brooklyn Nine Nine, which is which is back on and which is an incredible show. I feel like I would like that show, but I've just never watched it. You would. Um, Johns, how are you doing on Ozark? Uh, I started watching the first five minutes, and then The Wire was just calling me back. So I won't start the Ozark. I've decided I won't start the Ozark, Ozark until yeah. I finish The Wire, and I got one more season to go on The Wire. Uh, okay, I guess that's acceptable. Uh, Ozark's good. Just make sure you get to it. And I have one recommendation. It's one of these movies that has come out. I think it was supposed to be in theaters, and now you can rent it at home for a bajillion dollars instead. Uh, first of all, Trolls. John's your kids watch Trolls yet? No, they have not. Good. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, so I don't like the storyline as much as the first one, but the music is a lot better. So it's a, it's entertaining. I like the music part of it. Um, so the kids will like it. Uh, but this the movie I was going to recommend definitely not for kids. Have you heard of The Hunt? No. Okay, so it's kind of a crazy... um, I won't get into it too much, but it's essentially this idea of like um, humans... 
these group of humans that basically kidnap a bunch of other humans that like they feel like shouldn't be on the planet and then they hunt them for sport which sounds crazy i know but there's a whole bunch of politi- oh i've seen trailers yeah. for that yes yes so, so there's a bunch of political undertones to the whole thing um but it's not like it's more of a satire on the political world we currently live in. If that makes sense, it's not like kind of it's not really divisive. In fact, it kind of attacks both sides in a way uh, on the extreme ends, which is fine. So not to get into all that, but the hunt, Kevin. I feel like you would especially like it um, based on the things I just said. So uh, check it out. I liked it a lot. I watched it the other night. It's worth checking out. Um, so that's my recommend recommendation for this episode. So there you go. All right. We should get out of here. It's been fun. Uh, we'll be back Thursday. Big time guest coming up, John Z, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the beast man himself. Can we call him that? The beast Game man. is going to come in. Can we call <laughs> him that one? draft guy. Yeah. So we got the fish the man today and, and the beast man tomorrow. Or the beast Thursday. man. I like it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dane Brugler, the athletics draft expert, his uh, unbelievable draft guide, which it comes with your subscription. I think is that alone is worth your athletic subscription. Yo, the draft oh, yeah, guide. it's a steal. Absolute steal. Um, I was reading some of it last night, actually. So uh, if you have, again, if you're not subscribing, I don't know why you're not, but if you are, you get this incredible draft guide that you can download and read with all these draft prospects. So check that out. Dane Brugler, though, joins us Thursday. Kevin, I know you got to go. Thanks so much for jumping on today. It was good hearing from you again. Uh, Hope you're doing well and enjoy your trash TV. (laughs) Thank you, guys. It's always great to be back out with you. All right, there he is. Kevin Fish. Follow him on Twitter at KFishbane. You can follow us at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Read those guys at The Athletic. Read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Thanks to Kent Garrison, our producer. We'll talk to you on Thursday. See ya. Sexy.